Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and with all the impending school closures, we welcome children of all ages. Welcome to the Fumble Recovery Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Amir. With me, I have co-host, Chiggs. Hey, hey. We have Mo. How's it going? And last but not least, we have Paul. Evening, chaps. Evening, everyone. So we are four Brits, albeit Mo on a technicality. Lives in Charlotte, but he has a British passport. Um, and we will be looking to dissect the world of Dynasty Fantasy Football and, of course, discuss all the news and notes in the world of football throughout the year. Before we start, I wanted to give a shout out to Regular Gonzalez for their song Chains, which is the intro music on our podcast, and to Natasha, wife of Chiggs, who has been very supportive and is graciously allowing Chiggs to host this podcast despite being newlyweds. Natasha, on behalf of all of us, merci beaucoup. Gentlemen, what a time to be starting a podcast. The NFL is ceasing to surprise and keep us entertained. Well, I mean, also, given that we're all going to be in lockdown and we're stuck indoors, I mean, what else are we going to be doing, right? That's true. Thankfully, NFL Network has been keeping me very, very busy throughout <laughs> throughout the last week or so. That's a nice right. thing that NFL is one of the only sports that hasn't actually cancelled yet. It's not on, but it hasn't cancelled. Very true, very true. So today's podcast, which is episode one, is intended to be an introduction to Dynasty Fantasy Football. We'll be covering elements such as the various formats, scoring settings, keys to a successful league, amongst other things. And at the end, we have a mailbag section as well. So, Paul, would you like to just give our listeners an introduction to Dynasty Fantasy Football for those who have not taken part before and are interested in the concept? So fantasy football gives the opportunity for those of us who sit on the sofa every Sunday shouting at the TV and whining, out, whining to our colleagues at the water cooler on Monday morning how you can do a better job than the coach. We know what we need for our team to be able to win a franchise. Fantasy football gives you the chance to do that. It puts you in the front office as a general manager of your team. You select from the best of the best in the NFL and compete on a weekly basis for your team's success. Your points are scored based on the actual stats by the players on your team the beginning of it is one of the most exciting parts you have to pick your roster of players through a draft much like the nfl draft and each week you set your lineup and play your team against an opposing team as you watch and see touchdowns field goals yards gained sacks interceptions almost any stats you want generate fantasy points for you or against you each week, you're playing head-to-head -head against one other team, just like the real NFL. And whether you win or lose, you climb or, climb or fall the leaderboard, depending on how well you maximise the talent on your roster each week. You have to decide, do you make a risky move and start a backup wide receiver who's playing against a weak secondary, or go for all your starters and keep a consistent lineup? When you start a league, you prepare by, drafting, uh, by scouting for the players you want to draft. And before you choose your team, you need to do some research, find out the players where you think they should go in the ranks. How many players are there at a certain position? What's your scoring setup going to be? And that's part of the structure of what type of league you have we'll come on to later. The other fun thing about fantasy football is you can trade your team. So if you, have, if you draft lots of running backs and you're very short at wide receiver, you can find another owner has the opposing situation and try and make trades at work for both members of your team. In order to get there, you have to be able to survive, you have to be able to get through, and you have to have some depth of roster. 
if you're not careful, you can have a great team that has a few injuries and suffer and knocks you out, taking away your chance to win and win the trophy or cash prize that you're playing for. This is the overall basics of fantasy football. So a quick introduction to dynasty fantasy football in particular. So dynasty, almost as the word says, is something that's intended to last forever. So when you're drafting your players, uh, either in the initial startup draft or through uh, future rookie drafts, you, you have the rights to that player forever in perpetuity. Unless, of course, you decide to ever drop them or you trade them away um, for other assets, either other players or other um, other picks in the future. And that, that's one of the things I love about Dynasty is that even if your team's not set up to compete now, you've always got that future outlook and you can start preparing for the future. Now, unless you're very unfortunate and you've got no sort of tradable assets that anyone's interested in, <clears throat> if you are one of the teams that's, uh, amongst the worst or even the worst in the league uh, it, it's a good opportunity to start selling some of the studs however limited they may be for either young prospects that you have hope for or my personal uh, preference is to start getting rookie picks and just taking a chance on future drafts and if you fail in one draft you're still going to have an early pick in the next year and you can attack the draft in future years so as a very brief introduction to Dynasty, as I said, it is effectively where you have the rights to a player forever until the point you ever drop them or trade them away. I think to add to that, it's the closest you're going to get to the real NFL, right? So you have a roster, you, know, you have the rights to those players, and if you finish last, you know, like the Bengals, you will get the first pick in the rookie draft this year. So theoretically, by by being the worst team, you get the best picks, you know, for the next year. And it should, again, balance itself out over time, it, you know, assuming you draft well. Same thing in the NFL. You know, you, you see plenty of busts. You have plenty of busts in when you're drafting rookies. There's no guarantee. But like you said, the more the more lottery tickets you have, the more chance you have of hitting that, you know, that stud wide receiver or, you know, Saquon Barkley or Christian McCaffrey, whoever it is. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. I didn't mention in my intro that rookie drafts are, in fact, linear. So if if you're the worst team and you've not traded away your assets, then you not only have the first pick in the first round, but also the first pick of the second, third, fourth, fifth, and how many, however many rounds you have in your, in your rookie draft. And I know Chiggs touched on it, but Saquon Barkley is a great example of a player that, was literally dynasty changing for many, many managers who were absolutely terrible in one season. And then, you know, next season, they've got a, a generational running back who's completely changed the outlook of their a team. And if they started selling off players and accumulating more rookie picks, then who knows which other assets that they could have accumulated uh, in building team they have. I mean, that was also the yeah, that you had Lamar Jackson in Superflex, you had Baker Mayfield. So somebody could quite conceivably have drafted uh, Saquon Barkley and Baker or Saquon and uh, somebody like Lamar or even Sam Donald, who's a young, promising quarterback. So a lot of, uh, and a lot can come from not being best team because by having that linear draft, it gives those teams an opportunity to get the pick of the strongest players. 
Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's a good way to kind of be kind of a sort of a GM in the NFL. I mean, as long as you're not Bill O'Brien, I think you should be all right. <laughs> <laughs> That's Paul. Sometimes. Yeah. Most. I mean, we, we are going to cover free agencies in episode two. I'm sure the listeners are keen to hear about our thoughts, but... I'm yeah, keen that... to hear the thoughts of a, of um, next year's rookie pick, so I should know who I could draft this time. Oh, if only you had rookie picks, sir. Uh... <laughs> if I hadn't traded them away. Yeah. Thanks very much for that, Paul. Uh, very important, said particularly for uh, listeners who have either played fantasy football and are new to Dynasty, or a lot of football fans out there who don't play fantasy, um, many of which are friends who are trying to rope into numerous uh, fantasy football leagues. Uh, I suppose quick up, uh, background on how we all got into it. And we all have a different story. I mean, for myself, uh, Amir, I've been playing Dynasty only for the last sort of three years. And it was something I was keen to get into as I started playing more uh, season-long leagues and then uh, keeper leagues, which uh, I'd set up. And then natural progression was Dynasty. And I think for me personally, it's it's my absolute favorite format because if 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 your team is great, then you're in with a shot to win now. And if it's not, you can start you know, disbanding, selling players, obtaining assets for the future and build for the future. So there's always something to look forward to with Dynasty. Uh, Mo, how about yourself? Um, as for, um, I'll well, start Dynasty. I mean, we started, uh, normal fantasy football, what, uh, good about six, seven years ago. Um, I mean, just, just for the love of game. I mean, you're just into fantasy football. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think Dynasty first time was last year, uh, in, uh, one league and, um, gotta say it was, it was definitely quite entertaining and, um, being, being the one that actually won the first year. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, can't beat Dynasty, uh, as for now. Um, but like you said, uh, strategies quite, uh, can get quite intricate, um yeah you can you can uh if, if you have a good draft uh you can just you know go and make trades trade future picks and acquire assets now or you can uh sell like you like you mentioned sell all your uh older assets uh, i believe uh chigs over here sold me a couple um and uh, acquire brand new new young new young up-and-comers or uh or uh draft picks but um yeah i definitely love it um yeah what about yourself uh chigs um, so Paul is actually the guy who got me into fantasy football um, in the first place um, in a illegal contact, which is a, a keeper league now. But off the back of that, you know, and this is probably about seven, yeah, about seven years ago, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then off the back of that, we got into playing some um, some dynasty IDP leagues, actually, which we'll come into what IDP is in a bit. Um, so that was um, that was actually really interesting. A bit of a flavor for dynasty, but then the trouble with those leagues were they sort of disbanded. You know, we we didn't know the owners, the other owners of the franchises. So um, about three years ago, uh, Amir um, pulled me into another a league that was starting up, uh, Joy Flex, with some friends of his, uh, which was awesome. Uh, it was the first time I ever played Superflex, um, which again we'll come on to, but is absolutely my favorite uh, format. You know, I probably won't play anything else now if I'm starting a new league. Um, and then last year, Amir commissioned um, a new uh, dynasty league, uh, for which all four of us are in, uh, which is awesome. Really good fun. I think the key is, you know, having a good group of managers that 
want to play, you know, are in it for like, the kind of long haul. You know, when you hear stories about dynasty leagues, you know, they've been going on for 30 years and stuff. You know, that's that's kind of what you want. You don't want managers dropping in and out each year um, because their team sucks and they get bored of it. You know, you kind of want that longevity. Um, yeah, you know, the guys already mentioned, you can either sort of have a, a shorter term view, try and win now, maybe try and stockpile assets, you know, younger players, rookie picks to... You know, that will develop in hopefully two, three years' time and then suddenly you've got, you know, a championship caliber team down the road. So, you know, there's there's multiple ways to skin the cat and you know, it's it's great. Uh, Paul, so it sounds like you're the most experienced out of us. What what are your experiences of dynasty fantasy in particular and how you got into uh, joining a dynasty league? Well, I got into dynasty because I started a league with Shiggs and some other friends. Shiggs knew about football. Everyone else just liked it and knew nothing about it. So I felt like this was going to be an easy win. And I didn't win the first year. Or the second year. Or the third year. The fourth year, I managed to come last. So I thought, I've had enough of this. I'm going to start doing something a bit more complicated, a bit more detailed. And I'll do a dynasty one with IDP as well. Obviously, I got last again. So I thought I'd start another one and then join another one. And now I'm just trying not to get last. <laughs> Well, in Dynasty, it's not a bad thing being last because you can get those early picks and, in theory, build for the future. Unfortunately, my picks are not normally the best. I try to trade them away. I still got <laughs> hey. Kevin White in every league I'm in. Hey, Chiggs, uh, Paul, Paul, I'm always here. Let me know. <laughs> I'll take your future picks any day. Hey, you might be getting them. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, well, I've got four firsts in one of our leagues. So I'm certainly looking forward to the rookie draft. Chiggs has got two but also some seconds. So I think we're all quite anxiously waiting now for the upcoming rookie draft. Exactly. So we're going to talk about the various formats. I think you've heard us talking about things like Superflex and IDP and Titan Premium, but Chiggs, if you'd like to give us a quick update on sort of your experiences of playing Dynasty, what the uh, formats you've played, what you like, dislike, Yep. So I'm mean, I guess normally most people were used to the sort of conventional one quarterback, two running backs, two wide receivers, a flex position, one tight end, defense and a kicker. Usual kind of bog standard. So what Superflex introduces is the ability to play a quarterback in that flex slot. So generally the quarterbacks are the highest scoring position. Um, so now you can play two quarterbacks essentially so there you can actually have two qb leagues where you have to play two qbs the superflex is a little bit more um less structured so you can play a quarterback in there but you don't have to the reason it's so good and the reason i love superflex now is because there's so many good quarterbacks in the league you know a one quarterback league in a 12 man generally you're playing in a 12 man league there's 12 good quarterbacks every week Actually, if everyone's playing two quarterbacks, now you're playing 24, then you've got bye weeks, you've got injuries. You know, it really sort of adds another element to, to picking your quarterbacks, um, and it makes it so much more interesting. Um, yeah, I agree because let's be honest, the quarterbacks are the most important position on a football field. They're the ones who dynasties are generally built around, they get paid the most. Uh, and I think generally amongst the fantasy community, we are heading towards 
Superflex slowly becoming the default setting in the same way that now PPR or half PPR leagues are sort of the default uh, and hardly anyone plays in standard scoring leagues now. So, yeah, I completely agree. And I think it's a, it's a valid point. In a regular league, you don't draft quarterbacks until at least round five, but quite often as late as round 10. They're not that relevant, even though they do score the most points. And it's not they're not relevant. There's just so many options. With this, quite in Superflex, you, the first, first pick in the draft is probably going to be a quarterback. Well, that's the thing with Dynasty especially as well, right? Quarterbacks will have the longest career in the NFL. You know, if you drafted Drew Brees or a Tom Brady, you know, you've had a quarterback for 15 to 20 years. Um, whereas, you know, you could have a, an amazing running back, but generally, you know, their sort of window of production is a lot shorter. Um, so so why, that's why you'll see in a super flex dynasty draft, especially in a startup, you'll see guys like Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes going first overall, which would be crazy in a redraft or, a, you know, a one QB league. It's because if you get that position sorted, you know, if you have Pat Mahomes in your team, he's pretty much there now for the next however many years until you retire. Thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, um, uh, actually, uh, 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 just in case you were wondering, uh, Pat Mahomes was going to be a number one pick. It wasn't going to be CMC <laughs> uh, for the new IDP league. That, oh, uh, new league. <laughs> That's right. We'll, we'll touch on that. Damn it. I was hoping he dropped to be at number two. <laughs> Um, and actually, on so IDP um, is in defense individual defensive players. So whereas normally um, we play with you pick a defense, you know, based on the team. So last year, obviously, the Patriots defense probably won a lot of people their championships. Here, you actually are drafting individual players. In you'll have defensive ends and defensive linemen. You'll have cornerbacks and safeties, and you have linebackers. And whereas Wide receivers and running backs are scored from, you know, scoring points on touchdowns and yards gained. Defensive players are getting points for sacks, tackles, um, you know, so the other side of the, uh, so, so it makes it really interesting, you know, and don't tend to really focus on uh, defensive players, you know, when you're watching um, games on Sunday, but playing IDP sort of brings that element to it. Um, and yeah. then... For me, it's a new world. I've never never played in an IDP league. I mean, uh, I think we referenced the league that I've set up. We'll be drafting in a few months' time. And uh, something I'm really looking forward to, it's sort of the next step in fantasy and dynasty fantasy football for me. You'll be pleased to hear that I've played in lots of IDP leagues and I've also never won any of these. <laughs> Hold so strong there, it. Paul. Hold strong. <laughs> One of these days. We're hearing seeing a pattern emerging here, aren't we? I like first-round I like first round rookie draft picks to trade away. I'll take them. <laughs> i give them away. Yeah, and uh, one, one other format I, I quite like within Dynasty Fantasy in particular is having a tight end premium. Now, we are going to touch on scoring settings, but tight end is one of these dual sort of faceted roles. A lot of them are there to block, create lanes, and protect the quarterback, but then you do get some tight ends who are absolute monsters when it comes to accumulating points and uh, I really like the idea of having a premium for tight ends uh, it just adds value to that position which otherwise can be ignored and people quite often leave drafting tight ends too late 
unless you're talking about your sort of real stud tight ends like your Travis Kelsey's or in the past Rob Gronkowski or more recently like your uh, Zach Ertz, for example. But when it comes to dynasty, I, I quite like having the Titan premium, not least because as a very sort of general rule, it does take tight ends about season three before they're fully uh, accustomed to the playbook, before they know all the individual roles they have to do on all the plays. And you normally see a sort of breakout in that set of third year, sometimes late second year. That's why I quite like having a premium. It rewards those managers who draft a tight end, keep the faith in them, don't trade them away because they didn't do anything in their rookie year, but then can grow on to be a real force and be a real game changer in your in your dynasty team. I'm always really torn with it because I don't like the principle of different players getting different points for doing the same thing. But I, I agree, if you don't, tight end becomes a really boring position. You have four generally that are warrant drafting and after that you just put in whoever you've got, much almost like a kicker. Well that that's also the thing is, you know, the you find with the tight end premium, I found myself trading and, you know, trading a lot more tight ends and trying to pick up that that next guy who's gonna break out, like an Ian Thomas, um <laughs> Johnny like Smith. Johnny Smith, um, you know, these kind of guys where, you know, if you if you do hit on one of these young you know, Mark Andrews is a classic one, right? Taken in late rounds of a startup last year. Now will probably be going as arguably even the number two or three uh, dynasty tight end. You know, so you're going to take him too. As good as Travis Kelsey is, you know, he's obviously coming towards the end of his career. So from a dynasty perspective, and this is the other thing people need to balance as well when they're playing dynasty is you've got your elite players, you know, your Julio Jones see previously Antonio Brown but in dynasty because you've got these guys forever actually you might not want to be taking them that early because you're only going to get a limited window of production from them so you'll see a lot like you'll see like a Julian Edelman who's still a wide receiver one slip to like round 10 in a dynasty startup Um, yeah it's true I suppose the flip side to that is you, you get these players, you think it's finally their breakout, finally their breakout. And we'll, we'll touch on it in our free agency episode. But for me, a classic example is a David Njoku. Came into the league as sort of a free athlete who was always seen as one of these who had to learn and uh, sort of learn the craft. Is now in his, what, third or fourth year, just when you think could be his year, the Browns have uh, mm-hmm. picked up Austin Hooper in free agency. So if you're an Njoku owner who's waited all this time, it could be quite frustrating uh, thinking, you know, what's his role going to be? Is he going to be there just to block? How much opportunity is he going to have in that sort of crowded um, core of receivers and receiving running backs? So I appreciate it can work both ways, but that's why I like having that premium for those tight ends because I think it rewards the, the patient managers or those who are willing to draft one early on the premise that they get more points for each reception. And it does completely depend the team, the team they play for as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Team they play for the offensive Patriots using tight ends a lot. Green Bay, you know, hardly at all. It's, it's a, it's a real selection of the team that you're, um, that they're playing for and they're going to, which also makes it quite interesting. And it also adds like a different way to sort of skin the cat, right? So whereas, as you say, you'll have your top three or four guys at tight end and then everything else is 
you just fill in for the week. Now you could legitimately be starting, you know, three tight ends in your in your starting lineup because you've got that premium. So like a, an average tight end will still probably potentially score better than an average running back or an average wide receiver. So it just gives you a bit more flexibility and, you know, other ways to win. You know, you don't have to necessarily construct your roster in the same way, you know, which is which is great. You know, it adds that, that flexibility, especially in a startup. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose that sort of leads us nicely into various sort of scoring settings um, and, you know, what our sort of perceptions on pros and cons are. So, Mo, would you like to talk us through? Oh yeah, sure. So, um, I guess, uh, uh, I mean, just, just talking about standard scoring, I mean, uh, non PPR, which means you don't get a point for a reception, uh, a point per reception. Um, if you just go for a standard scoring, usually it's, you know, um, every 10 yards, a receiver catches or runs, it's one point every 10 yards, a running back runs or receives is, is, is one point. And um, usually passing yards from a QB is uh, every 25 yards is one point. Um, touchdowns, if you're receiving or running it in, it's usually six points. A QB, if you're usually passing it, it's four points. Um, tight end, pretty much considered as pretty much falls in the receiver category. Um, so that's that's the very basic. Now, when it comes to, I guess, the, the first uh, Dynasty League I've been in here uh, with you guys, um, it's uh, as you guys mentioned, it's more of a tight end premium league. So the scoring in this one, um, the Q, and it's actually kind of uh, beneficial to have uh, to be have QB there too, especially in the super flex spot. So here are the QB passing or running, and if he scores a touchdown, six points. Um, any basically any touchdown is six points, uh, uh, to be honest. And when it comes to uh, receptions, I believe a running back is half a point. Um, a wide receiver, uh, uh, or it's the half PPR. So you basically get half a point for every every reception so that's that's what the running back gets half a point or hell even if the quarterback catches a pass um half a point for him um but uh if wide receiver has a bonus of another half a point so they essentially get two points uh i'm sorry 1.5 points uh for reception and a tight end uh that's the tight end premium you've kind of uh included it's uh an extra bonus point so it's 1.5 points total um for every 10 yards um sorry for every reception every reception damn it i can be myself okay (laughs) all right you cut this out Um, you won this league all right that's right (laughs) it doesn't matter too many leagues it's the problem when you're in too many leagues but yeah essentially it's it's really just the points per reception the yardage um i believe you have uh you did include a bonus for every time a running back carries it or a quarterback carries it or even actually every rush attempt doesn't matter what position you're in every rush attempt it's a point one yards, uh, point zero point one point, um, and uh, every reception, I believe. Uh, actually, no, okay, we can't recover that. Uh, when it comes to first downs, I believe you've added extra bonus points for first downs. Um, oh, that's right, yeah. And the, the the whole premise of doing that. So as you said, I the league that I commissioned that we're all a part of. It's 0.5 PPR for a running back, one for a wide receiver, and 1.5 for a tight end. And then there are, as say, bonuses of like half a point for um, a first down. And then for running backs, there's a 0.1 point per carry. And the reason I did that is it sort of puts the emphasis more on players getting points for their 
primary role. Now, what, what I mean by that is there's a lot of running backs who in a PPR league will accumulate points like crazy just for short dump offs. Um, I think a lot of us were probably victim to Austin Eckler, for example, last year or in the past, like a James White. So I wanted to take a little bit of the bonus for the reception on the running back. But say, if as a running back, <clears throat> you're performing your primary utility, which is to to run, then you get 0.1 points. And so those running backs who have 20, or in the case of like a Derrick Henry, 30 plus receptions that that alone is you know three points uh let alone then all the yardage and uh any receptions they have etc so that was that was the key i was looking to trying to achieve in having those scoring settings but of course <clears throat> it's it, it's a very subjective matter everyone will have an opinion there is no perfect science around what the the best scoring setting is I did outline, I think having standard setting is very antiquated. Um, no platforms that I'm aware of still have standard scoring as their default. And <clears throat> I'm not in any leagues where it, there's no re uh, reception bonus. Uh, and I think it's just something that's being slowly wound out of fantasy in general. I mean, I've never ever played in a standard scoring league. It's always been PPR and half PPR for me. I think Mo, you do a few standard leagues, right? I, I have I have one standard. I'm actually that, that was my that's my main league. I think that's the first league I ever joined was a standard, and I think we just never changed it. Um, we've always discussed it, but uh, everyone's kind of uh, set in their ways at that point. But uh, no, but really, it just comes down to at the end, it's um, once you guys figure out the once you figure out the point uh, the, the scoring system itself, it then that's when you put value to your wide receivers, or in this case, you put a little bit higher premium to tight ends compared to a, another league. And then um, running backs kind of take a hit in this format a little bit. And QBs, of course, um, they're, they're, they're quite valuable. So really, you know, as you guys mentioned, there's, there's various ways um, as, as for, for scoring purposes. You just have to make sure you translate that correctly when it comes to drafting and selecting players. I think the other thing to um, probably point out is about decimal scoring versus, you know, rounding up and rounding or rounding down. I think, you know, for me now, like pretty much every league will be decimal scoring. I don't even, you know, given it's all electronically calculated, there shouldn't really ever be a need to sort of round yards down, especially when people have lost championships by, you know, 0.2, you know, it's like two yards um, at times, you know, so it could be, it could go down to right, real fine margins. So I'm a big advocate of, you know, decimal decimal scoring see i'm the opposite i really like the the preciseness of getting exact points you know in in a legal contact we normally have one or two drills draws a year and those games are really tight i think it's always a shame to lose by 0.1 or 0.2 uh, that's and true i like that that if it's close it's close type of scoring but would you not feel like really sort of let down by the fact that say you scored you know you you had nine yards and the other guy had one yard, but you, you've drawn or, you know, or. Yeah, to be honest, I think it should be rounded, not rounded down as in with. And I believe they all round down to so nine yards counts as zero. Whereas, yeah. you know, I think they should be rounded. So six yards is the same as you know, same as 10. But I, I like that where it's not quite so, you know, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a draw when they have fractional scoring. 
Yeah, you're right. It's, it's very rare. Uh, I like disappointment again. in other people when they get a draw. You'd almost rather lose than get a draw. We we don't like draws in American sports. Exactly. <laughs> oh, of course not. Disappointment that come from it. I mean, I think initially, I think in the regular season, the NFL, uh, would you play two overtimes or something? Like uh, they they wanted to make sure there was no draw. We made it we made it so the first score wins. Um, uh, back in the day, and then people complained about it. Players complained about it. Like, oh, I never got the chance to touch the ball, and they kind of adjusted the overtime rules accordingly. But yeah, oh, we don't like draws. No, you guys in soccer over there. Um, uh, yeah, draws are uh, therefore uh, you know, what do you call them? Uh, Participation trophies is what I'm calling it. Let's not forget your British passport here. (laughs) You made my opening statement. I haven't actually ever won a league. So it's always quite nice to get a draw occasionally. That's, that's as good as it would in my book. Although I've not managed to draw yet either. Um, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I, the, the next thing to sort of touch on, you know, we've covered scoring, we've covered formats, is then, particularly for dynasties, the the roster sizes and how many players you allow uh, in your initial draft, how many players you allow effectively on your bench as a consequence, or... Some some leagues will have a taxi squad where you can keep year one players. Uh, so I mean, Mo, any any sort of views you have around roster sizes? Yeah. So I guess in our league, uh, I believe we have uh, ten starting spots. Uh, we have twenty bench and five uh, injury reserve. Now, uh, injury reserve is quite valuable just because uh, um, I mean, you know, players get injured, and uh, I think for me, I think I had about like five or six tight ends that got injured last year, and uh, were an IR or something, or um, unable to practice, and uh, they kind of they kind of uh, allow you to go ahead and you know get some of those secondary second string or third string tight ends to kind of fill up your actual bench. But as for starting wise, um, you're gonna start ten players. You you're gonna have to have at least one QB, one running back, uh, one wide receiver, one tight end, and then you have. Um, uh, let's see, then you have you have a uh, five uh flex, and then you have one super flex, and that's where that's that the super flex. Usually, you'll have another QB. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, QBs are probably the most valuable. You know, they're, they're the be- they're essentially kind of guarantee they have a low floor when it comes to getting you points. Uh, but when it comes to rosters, again, um, you know, we could have easily cut the roster size in to, to ten bench, uh, ten ten on the bench, uh, ten starting, ten on the bench, five IR. What that would do is basically leave uh, a lot of room on the waiver wire. I think there'd be more activity on the waiver wire. I think uh, everyone would um, more uh, value their fab, which is what we use on a weekly basis to, uh, as an auction method to acquire additional players off the waiver. So, uh, I mean, it's a fine line um, of, of the number of roster spots you have. I think uh, the new league that Amir is starting, I think he actually we're actually adding defensive players, but he I think he's... Uh, only adding i think he's adding like 20 bench is that is that correct amir 20 30 bench that's going to be quite deep rosters because we've got much more starters uh it's i think it's going to be 30 on the bench plus ir spots but said you're going to have um 16 starters in that so there's a lot more to account for in your entire roster but now, now you are adding like what well, i believe like four additional positions uh three to four additional positions so you will have to uh account for you know having backups in those positions as well so i, th- yeah. I think that's going to get that's going to get pretty tight i think that's going to be uh that's going to be a tighter version where i think you're going to you're going to you're going to see a lot of uh uh young pl- potential players on the waiver wires see this this is this is that sort of trade-off between having 
you know, activity. I think some people want more activity on the waiver wire. You know, when when their players get injured, they they're, they're scanning the waiver wire and there's they're seeing nothing on there because obviously the rosters are so deep and there's no real talent available. But by the the other side of it, you know, if you have too too short, you know, a bench, you haven't got the ability as a manager to try and pick up some of those kind of guys that will go under the radar and may not produce in year one or even year two, but you know, you're hoping for that long term sort of payoff that once they make their once they make their way through the roster and actually become, you know, a player and it's producing, you know, you, you got in early basically. So is there is a balance between having, you know, activity in the waiver wire and, you know, having the ability to sort of hold and hold on to kind of assets which you think may appreciate over time. I think that balance is really important. You, you really, you don't, we've had, we were in one league where there was no one to get on the waiver wire at all. No one who'd scored more than two points all season after <laughs> week 10. And you end up having no ability to do anything other than trade or just play the team you've got. But you're right. You don't have to sit there and go through a league where you cannot have it. There's no way of having enough people with enough depth on your roster to make a team. I, I th- actually think the key is not having it's, it's roster size versus how many people you have to start each week at each position. Because there's only so much backup you can have if you're not careful. Yeah. The other, the other thing is with, with having locked Ross, you know, there's not much availability in the waiver wire. It should encourage more trading as well between managers. And that's one of the sort of real beauties about Dynasty, especially, is that, you know, there should be an encouragement to sort of trade players and, you know, we've talked about it where you have different strategies where you might be in win-now mode, so you're trying to acquire those guys that are hot at the moment or, you know, stud older players. And as a result, you're willing to give up younger talent and rookie picks, you know. So as an example, I traded uh, with Mo. Um, I gave him Devonta Freeman and Jacob Hollister. And I got Uh, back... Kenny Stills, yeah. Kenny Stills Um, and Ty Johnson, I think it was. Who, you know, who were kind of hot at the time, but obviously the main one was Devonta Freeman. Um, and I got back AJ Brown, a second round rookie pick, and Ian Thomas. So for me, I'm taking, you know, potentially a stud young receiver in that trade. Um, a lottery ticket in Ian Thomas, so I'm hoping is going to turn into, you know, a breakout tight end this year. And that second round rookie pick, you know, which is very valuable, within, you know, for a team that's trying to sort of rebuild. And yet, at the same time, the players that Mo took from me ended up carrying him to the championship. So it was a trade that worked for both teams, but you know, but better for Mo approaches. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just I'm just looking at uh, our league and players who were drafted in like the last five rounds or last five six, and some of them you look at today and their value shot through the roof. I mean, the one that really stands out is Ryan Tannenhill. You know, he was first pick of the 25th round so when you think about it that way and now being the starter on a team that almost took team to the Super Bowl uh, you know you've got uh, others in there as well like Darius Slayton you've got Preston Williams who again um, had breakout years in year one Uh, you also had likes of uh, Jacoby Myers who produced for the uh, Patriots but then you'll also get dart throws who turn into nothing I mean Matt Lacoste I had hope with him at the Patriots thinking he could become Brady's favorite target and just never really materialized. You had a lot of backup quarterbacks like your Colt McCoys and Deshaun Kaisers who 
did nothing whatsoever to contribute. So, yes, there's an element of the dart throw, but I think it does also reward those managers who've done that extra bit of research and you know really look at those players that produced in college but maybe went to a Division two school or a smaller school, but they had a good combine or the right metrics and you think actually if they're given an opportunity like Preston Williams showed they could really be a, a force for you as a dynasty asset okay so that sort of covers roster composition uh, again there's no exact science a lot of pros and cons to all approaches and again it's a very subjective matter but uh, key thing is if you're playing in the league uh, it's having that broad agreement with the rest of the league as to what a good roster sort of size and composition is and that includes what the starting position should be so again my personal preference is to have one player in each role and then having a lot more flex spots others may be of the staunch opinion that you want to have you know two starting players in each position or many leagues i see have three wide receivers so again not not a not an exact science but Everyone has their own preference. I'd like to cover, just again from our experiences, what we think the keys to a successful dynasty league are. Uh, so varying levels of experience amongst the group. But uh, I think there's a lot we can share from our experiences as to what works well and keeps people interested in a dynasty league. The first thing I'd like to mention is, A, having committed players, but B, ideally those players being friends directly or friends of friends and I speak from my own experience where came a point a couple of years ago where I was just really bought into the idea of dynasty league football I ended up joining a bunch of leagues uh, with people I didn't know and actually after one season I started losing interest and uh, I ended up leaving a lot of those leagues I mean thankfully I found players who were interested in inheriting the squad I didn't leave the squad in bad shape it's just it was to have that engagement that banter that you get when it when it's a league with friends but friends who are committed and I think the the group that we have in the various leagues we're in some of them have been running for a lot longer than others and not really had any appetite from players to leave so again don't want to jinx it but I think that's very important is knowing who you're playing with and having that one degree of separation at max I think I think you know we should all remember you know fantasy football is is fun right it's a hobby I know some of us probably take it a little bit more seriously than others but you know <laughs> it's 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 you know it's a fun pastime so ideally you want to be doing it with friends and well, you know friends of friends just you know you know I've met people that you know through fantasy football leagues friends of friends you know which which is great um, in that sense and you're a lot more invested when it's your friends you know like as you say. You haven't got that incentive to necessarily, oh, my team's done badly this year. I can't be bothered anymore. Or actually, there's no banter in this league. I'm just going to leave. You know, you haven't got that vested interest. So I think, yeah, for a successful dynasty league, I think you do need, you know, that core group of sort of committed, yeah, friends, ideally. Oh, and and a good group chat. Got to have a good group chat. I think another thing is it's quite good to have a buy-in. Doesn't have to be much money. But whatever it is, it's quite nice to have it buy in for a three year period. And every year when you top up just your additional year, so people know that they're sort of semi committed ahead of time, just because no one wants to throw away money, no matter what it is. 
that does give you a little bit of a sense of you're in this for a few years because they do they do work better over time. One hundred percent agreed. Um, I, I'm quite uh, keep a believer in that buy-in shouldn't be too high, because for me, fantasy is about it's about the banter and the fun you have with the friends. Yes, there's in the competitive element, but I don't want people to be put off because they're thinking they're having to pay lots of money. Now, again, it's very subjective, but all the leagues that I'm in are sort of ten pounds a year to play keeper or dynasty and i think that's a nice smallish amount for most people that it it the money that you have to pay doesn't become a primary thought about actually playing particularly if you're in a rebuild mode and you think oh this could be a two to three year project and i'm just throwing money away um that's why me personally don't play in leagues that are like 100 200 plus pounds or dollars um not that get thrown off by the competition or anything. It's just that's not the main reason why I play fantasy football for. Thanks, fair point. I think I think I think I'm a Paul. I'm a, I'm a little bit opposite. I, I like a little bit of both. I think all my other two leagues I'm in are all like at least two hundred dollar buy-ins, and then this one's just like the fun. Um, but I enjoy all of them. So but I don't. For me, it's it's. I think it's like I think it like you said, it's the people you have there. Uh, um, uh, right. It's the people, the, the bragging rights, right? Like, oh, correct. Having, Especially when you have having a trophy, I think is. Uh, oh, that's right. You know, for me, is a necessity. You know, now in the, in the fantasy football league, right? So when you win, holding that trophy up, you know, giving it to your mates, you're you know, you're number one. I, I definitely love the trophy. It's actually sitting right next to me. I mean, if it wasn't a <laughs> podcast, I would be kind of just uh, showboating it around here from uh, the tight end league, Amir's dynasty league. Actually, yeah, you know I think I think we've got three champions on this podcast, three reigning champions at the moment of respective leagues in uh, Mo, Amir, and myself. And, oh, shut and, up! And Paul, obviously. Uh, <laughs> oh, we don't. <laughs> as as we've already discussed m- m- many times on this podcast already. Uh, <laughs> maybe one day, bro. Uh, don't encourage him, Mo. This is your year, Paul. This is your year. Exactly, the year when they. It's, I'm going to be saved by Corona. There'll be no football. We get to play last year's <laughs> games, just be re- repeated, and I know it's going to happen. Sometimes that's that's why I'm making it abundantly clear on my Facebook that look don't don't do it for others don't do it for uh, people you care about as such do it for football the more you contain and self isolate the more likely that the football season's going to start so if there's any selfish reason that you want to follow the guidelines then do it for football I think it's a very strong reason. <laughs> Um, so one of the other things I think is quite key to a dynasty league. Uh, now, as you said, it's dynasty. You have the rights to the players forever. Season sort of never stops in many respects. And I quite like the concept of trading throughout the year. Now, I know a lot of leagues will have a trade cutoff and, or a, you know, a point at which when we get close to the playoffs, you can't trade. But I quite like, in a dynasty league in particular, players who are eager to win having to overpay perhaps for a player um, that could take them to the ship and a team that's not going to make the playoffs or doesn't think they're in a position to compete can actually get more than quote unquote market value for a player. So I, I, I'm a big believer in having trading throughout the year. Yeah, completely agree with that. You know, I think, as you say, I think in, in a, in a redraft league, you need a trade cut off. 
maybe around sort of Thanksgiving time. So yeah, absolutely. You know, but I think in Dynasty, as you say, you're playing, you know, indefinitely. You know, year on year. You know, so trade should be allowed to happen, and that's exactly as you say, a time where you can extract maximum value for your players if you're not in contention from someone that's going after a championship. You know, th- those opportunities don't come around very often. Um, so sometimes people are willing to pay pay more. So I think so yeah. How, how do you feel about um? Vetoing trades. I personally don't like to veto trades in Dynasty. I think the commissioner should make a ruling if he thinks it's grossly unfair. And generally, if you follow the sport, if you played the game long enough, you're going to know a trade that's broadly fair or, you know, in favor of one manager compared to something that's just grossly, grossly unfair. You know, so if somebody was to trade like Patrick Mahomes for a third rounder, you'd expect that to be vetoed because there's no reasonable uh, reason why somebody would make that trade who's selling Mahomes. Um, I know that's a very extreme example, but my opinion is that should sit with the commissioner. And of course, by having a group chat or a medium where you can all talk, it allows people to vent their opinions but i think veto should only occur in dynasty specifically where a trade is seen to be very 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 lopsided i actually think you're right it should be only the commissioner a good commissioner keeps a league running also a good yeah that's exactly i think a good commissioner is actually a commissioner's hands off you know he shouldn't have to get involved but will only get involved if something is massively offside and you know, I think everyone's got differing values of players. So what, you know, what constitutes a good deal for someone, the rest of the league may not agree. And that's kind of the commissioner's role there to sort of step in and, and make that call. But yeah, by and large, even if it's a little bit lopsided, shouldn't be getting vetoed. I think, um, as I mean, yeah. if, 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 it's, if it's grossly, you know, grossly obvious then yeah you probably would i got uh, i got bill o'brien on the other line here yeah <laughs> yeah there's the there's calls for roger goodell to investigate that one so uh might want to start by checking the yeah. ob's bank he's, account he's, let's see let's see how good of a commission he is here as you know i've got a lot of friends in houston uh or should i say a lot of distraught friends in houston at the moment following that yeah you know Bill O'Brien's got a uh, Kyler Murray in his dynasty league, right? He plays fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Uh, that's just going to say one last key, I think, to a successful dynasty league is if you've got players who are on new to it uh, and haven't even done something like a keeper league, I'd say easing your way into it. Don't go for something that's uh, all-encompassing straight away. It just increases the risk of people leaving the league now. You know, you have so many variances. You have contract leagues where you have rights to players for a certain amount of years on a certain contract. You have IDP, which we've touched on. We've got Superflex. So you, you sort of want to make sure that everyone's comfortable stepping in at the level they are. And that's why, in fact, the IDP league that I've set up, that we're all going to be a part of, I've done it as a keeper league in year one, just so nobody can truly screw their team up or there's not one team after year one that's got such a gross advantage 
because of the 12 of us, I think nine have never played in an IDP league and it's something that we're all interested in. So again, people may have a dissenting view and that's completely fair, but it's one of the things I think is a, is a key to a successful dynasty league. Okay, so I think we've covered a lot there in terms of the keys to having a successful dynasty league. Uh, I hope that's helpful for people who are considering taking the the plunge or are new to dynasty fantasy football. And of course, if you have any questions, then you can reach out to us on fumblerecoverypod at gmail.com. We will be addressing some of the questions we've had on the mailbag in the next episode because they are very much centered around the uh, free agency uh, that's happened. And so the questions will be impacted by free agency. Yeah, there's a lot of material to get through. I oh, think. I'm excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> Non-stop, isn't it? Yeah, so just r- wrapping up, I hope everyone has found that insightful. Uh, gentlemen, episode one is in the bag, so we can all give ourselves a pat on the back, have a uh, nice Blantons to celebrate, or a Michelob Ultra, or w- whatever your uh, preferred poison is. Corona. We are drinking Corona today. <laughs> <laughs> very topical (laughs) so thanks for tuning in please join us for episode two where we'll be looking to discuss the free agency moves that have happened it's been a very wild free agency and we'll be particularly focusing on the players who have an impact on uh, dynasty fantasy football and touch on players that we own and how we feel about some of the trades that went down spoiler alert uh, bill o'brien is going to get a pretty bad rep on the uh <laughs> on the podcast, <laughs> we, should, yeah. we should tag him. He already has. <laughs> I saw a great poll the other day. Who, who's done more damage to their teams over the years, Bill O'Brien or Adam Gase? <laughs> <laughs> Gase was quote unquote winning that poll. So uh, probably anything he's ever won, right? Yeah, exactly. He's, he's great at ruining people's careers. So yes, a lot to discuss on free agency episode and hope everyone's able to tune in for that and as i said any questions please send them on to fumble recovery pod at gmail.com and we'll be looking to address your questions uh, in the episode cheers see ya thanks cheers guys